you'd be amazed the people who have like no poll on Twitter who people will like make accounts that look just like them and like try to give them a bad name. Like people with like I don't know, like eight hundred followers, and you're like, What are you doing? Like <laughs> I would take that as a compliment. What the fuck, man? Bring it, sure. I would too. I mean, usually it's they start posting a bunch of Nazi shit, but you know. Hey, that's that's, that's our audience on for the grand gesture. Apparently, that's <laughs> Nazi. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey there, Good time, Tasha. I cannot believe that he was speaking to Joe Fox. Joe Fox. Joe Fox. As in. As in, uh, he's gonna take over everything. Fox. Your last name is Fox. F O X. God, I didn't. I didn't realize. I didn't. I didn't know. Who you were with? I didn't know who you were with. Excuse me. It's from the Godfather. <laughs> Sorry, it's from the Godfather. It's <clears throat> when the uh, when the movie producer realizes that Tom Hagen is an emissary of Vito Corleone. It's just before the horse's head ends up in the bed with all the bloody sheets, you know, wakes up and it's, ah, 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 ah. Never mind. You were spying on me, weren't you? You probably rented those children. Why would I spy on you? Because I am your competition, which you know perfectly well, or you would not have put up that sign just around the corner. The entrance to our store is around the corner, and there's no other way of saying that. It's not the name of our store, it's where it is. And you do not own the phrase, around the corner. The reason I came into your store is because I was spending the day with Annabelle and Matt, and I was buying them presents. I'm the type of guy who likes to buy his way into the hearts of children who are his relatives. There's only one place to find a children's book in the neighborhood. I... That will not always be the case. And it was yours, and it is a, a charming little bookstore. You probably sell, what, $350,000 worth of books in a year? How did you know that? I'm in the book business. I am in the book business. Hello. <laughs> We're courting Nazis. Yeah, a couple weeks no. ago, you want to be on the show? for uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall, we just got some one oh, of those anonymous right? like Twitter egg accounts. It was like, used to be a fan of yours. Now I'm going to donate to the NRA or something in your name, like start talking about gun rights. And I'm like, I don't think we talked about any of that with forgetting Sarah Marshall. <laughs> well, I actually had to recall. I'm like, mm, I don't think so. I think it's a lot of dick jokes. I think we talked about Jason Siegel's penis and that was it. So yeah, we'll see. I mean, that's what you talked about in that movie. <sighs> All right. Uh, Natasha, you ready to get into you've got mail? Yes. Can you hear me? Is it okay? Yeah. Mic okay? Yeah. You sound good. So there are two things I can't believe about this episode. One, that we were doing it so early. And two, that Mike has trusted me to guide us through one of his favorite comfort movies. I don't. No pressure. <laughs> uh, for those of you living under a rock, you've got male stars, probably the two biggest romantic comedy mainstays, Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks, and has some things to say about identity, the anonymity of the internet, and love despite opposing viewpoints. So we will start with the meet cute. So because of the plot point of being very different people online versus how they are in real life, this could get a little complicated. After all, when they first meet, when he's on a day trip taking care of his child aunt and much younger brother in her bookshop, and he insists on being referred to as just Joe as opposed to Joe F-O-X to protect who he really is, despite all this, there's an obvious spark and charm to this first interaction. So 
let's start with our guest. Are we immediately on board or does this movie have some more work to do to convince us to get behind this couple? Um, you know, I, if, if you think about the traditional meet cute, I, I mean, he, he's obviously having to conceal who he really is. Um, and, and kind of just give just enough. Oh, I'm just, just Joe, you know, just, just Joe. Um, <laughs> But I also am obsessed with this movie, so I can't. I I don't know. Um, yes, I think I think we're given just enough of a little bite. I think we get I get a little we get a little bite, and then we just get to see the rest of it unfold. But for me, the real interaction is at the dinner party in a few scenes after. Oh, we'll get there. Don't yeah. you worry. We will definitely yes. get there. <laughs> I love that she's like about to say something negative and then she catches herself. It is like, <laughs> but no, I love this movie. I refuse. <laughs> this is like Mike's ringer for this episode. <laughs> so Mike, can I assume you agree with Natasha here that there's plenty for us to root for? It's interesting because when this movie came out, I think a lot of the, probably a lot of the heavy lifting was done based on their previous appearances together. So uh, they were in Joe versus mm-hmm. Volcano, which I saw as a kid. I have no real memory of. It's like a deep pole yeah. there. Yeah. Jesus. But let's let's move on to Sleepless in Seattle. So I think everyone yeah, was, I was going to say, let's not bury the lead. Right. <laughs> so I think I think moviegoers, this was kind of a special uh, holiday date movie event, if you will, because you're getting to see uh, two very likable movie stars uh, meeting up again. Um, also, within the context of the film, uh, we already know about their email flirtation. Yes. Like going up mm-hmm. to it, so the fact that Hanks is having to uh, conceal his true self—I don't know if we, the audience, really take it that way. I think we're led to believe his true self is his email persona, and we're just waiting for him to get to that point because he's clearly different in his conversations in private than he is uh, trying to, I guess, be his father, his grandfather. Like even those scenes where he's with Dave Chappelle trying to be like sort of. Uh, master of the universe, like Lord of the, the the big box bookseller realm. I don't know if that's convincing. I think the flirtation between Hanks and Ryan is very convincing. I don't know if we ever truly believe that Hanks is that bad of a guy. And that may be a flaw in the film. It's not to me, because this film is flawless. So shut up, Dave, if you're getting ready to agree with that point. <laughs> I haven't even said anything yet. <laughs> um, so here's what I'll say about that scene. And as I think, I love Meg Ryan, but I think this scene only works because of Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks is maybe the only actor of that generation who could play this role, I think it's it's akin to something Cary Grant could do, where he could be biting and he could be mean, but we like him so much. Like it doesn't, it really doesn't matter the things he says or how terrible he is to her. Because oh, it's, it's Tom Hanks though, because we know we know he's a good guy deep down, and we know he's going to turn around and do the right thing eventually. So I think this movie, as you mentioned, like it leans on our experience with these two actors already. Uh, and it makes me wonder, like, does this movie work if you don't have that, if you don't have Sleepless in Seattle? Like, if you just took someone who had never seen a romantic comedy and put the scene in front of them, I wonder how they would react. Because as I watch it, I'm just like, this is fine. It's still, you know, Tom Hanks is a nice guy. It's cool. I have no issue with this. But if you, like, separate the actor from this moment, it's a, I think it's a little bit hard to take. But I think, I think the movie knows that, and they lean on the personality of these two actors a lot. Yeah, I'm thinking t- to that point of um, 
the truth about Charlie, which I think I've seen half of, which has got, I believe, Sandy Newton and Mark Wahlberg and another remake of a, a classic oh. romance. That one doesn't work because I think you don't really care if Marky Mark gets together with Sandy Newton. No offense to those actors. You almost hope he doesn't yeah. because Mark Wahlberg's the worst. But Tom Hanks, <laughs> Meg Ryan, yeah, that, that, this is a star vehicle. So, yeah, they, they know they've got the goods here. Definitely. And I think also he is just kind of masterful at being sharp and biting and yet being lovable. And I think not that many actors can pull that off. As a matter of fact, I'm like trying to think in my head of that other actors who could do that even now. Like in this generation, and I'm kind of drawing a blank. Is there we should put that, our, like, we should put our guests on the spot with that question because I, I need more time. Spot, I need more time. <laughs> Natasha, who would, who would you replace Mr. Hanks with? Who is today's Tom Hanks? I don't know if we can because – and then thinking about the context of this movie, I don't think that the romantic comedy exists in this form anymore. I don't – I don't. I, so I don't know if there's anyone who can kind of have that – ability to come across um the same way that tom hanks did maybe uh, hmm, i don't know i you know oh actually i will say i really liked chris evans and what's your number and that's probably like that movie the, too. Close, the closest that i could get i don't know if i could buy chris evans as mean i i would have a hard time seeing that but maybe he was kind of a jerk and at, at first, and then they kind of, you know, warm. He and Anna Ferris warm up to one another, but I think the only person who jumps to mind for me is maybe Clooney. Like maybe if you make this five or ten years ago, I could see him pulling that off. But he's almost a little too mean. Like he can, he can, he really kind of brings the hammer down when it comes to those insults. Whereas Tom Hanks kind of has this glint in his eye the whole time. Yeah, so it's hard I, to get upset. At yes. I want to go back to something you just said, Natasha, about not making this type of romantic comedy anymore. What, what do you What do you mean mm. by that? I don't know if there's there's like a delicate delicate balance of of kind of the cute flirtatiousness and um, kind of a note like a like a wink, um, especially when um, Birdie is talking to Christina and Kathleen about. Cybersex. You know, I am just gonna stand here until you tell me. All right. Is it infidelity if you're involved with someone on email? Have you had sex? No. Of course not. I don't even know him. No, I mean cybersex. No. Well, no, don't do it. The minute you do, they lose all respect for you. Mm. Well, it's not like that. We just email. It's really nothing. On top of which, I am definitely thinking about stopping because it's getting out of hand. Uh, confusing. Um, I, it's just, it, it's just. of course, at that point, you know, I was like 12, and I was like, well, what's that? But um, <laughs> I, I don't know. No. I feel like now are a lot more explicit. Like, I don't know. It's just there, there aren't as many, like, winks. And nods in movies now. Um, it's just kind of. Do you think movies? Do you think movies now are a little meaner? Like this is like in a lot of ways. Like this is a very a lot of these Tom Hanks make Ryan movies. They're like very pure. They're yes. very innocent. They're very chaste. Proudly um, PG. And we don't really have that. Yeah, exactly. And we don't really have that anymore. Like you have, you got to be. I don't know. You got to be risky when you make mm-hmm. this type of movie now. You can't just make a standard romantic comedy. Exactly. I think that's the that's the bromancing. 
effect of this this genre uh, that the apatow influence has made the this yep. crass and crude <laughs> and usually from a uh you know 20 something male perspective unfortunately i mean those yeah. were you know the 40 year old virgin was something different at the time but mm-hmm. now if you watch it it's like wow we've Any more yeah not anymore yeah though. All right, so at this point, I think we can move to the breakup, which Natasha was kind of referencing in her discussion of the meet-cute. So pretty soon after this meet-cute, Kathleen figures out who Joe really is. She accuses him, I think rightly, of being deceptive. And Joe defends himself by, and this cuts her to the core, belittling her store. But later, there's also a particularly vindictive scene where Joe admits to finally you know, meeting her online persona of Shop Girl, and then behaves pretty terribly when he finds out that it is Kathleen. Instead of purely just standing her up, he chooses to sit down next to her and mock her. Kathleen Kelly. Hello, this is a coincidence. Would you mind if I sat down? Yes, yes, I would, actually. I'm expecting someone. Thanks. Pride and Prejudice. Do you mind? I bet you read that book every year. I bet you just love that Mr. Darcy, and your sentimental heart just beats wildly at the thought that he and... um, well, you know, whatever her name is, are truly, honestly going to end up together. Can I get you something? No, no, he's not staying. Mochaccino, decaf, non-fat. No, no, you are not staying. I'll just stay here until your friend gets here. Gee, is he late? The heroine of Pride and Prejudice is Elizabeth Bennet. She is one of the greatest and most complex characters ever written, not that you would know. As a matter of fact, I've read it. Oh, well, good for you. I think you discover a lot of things if you really knew me. If I really knew you, I know what I would find. Instead of a brain, a cash register, instead of a heart, a bottom line. What? I just had a breakthrough. What is it? I have you to thank for it. For the first time in my life, when confronted with a horrible, insensitive person, I knew exactly what I wanted to say, and I said it. Well, I think you have a gift for it. That was a perfect blend of poetry and meanness. Meanness? Let me tell you something about meanness. Don't misunderstand me. I'm just trying to pay you a compliment. Oh, oh, what why are this? you touching that? Is what this are you a doing? red rose? No, you know, you know, it's a crimson rose. Something you read about in a book, no doubt. It's funny to you, isn't it? Everything is a joke to you. So... Do these actions keep us rooting for them? Is our connection with Hanks and Ryan enough? And is that all that carries it off? Or is there something in the script, in the actual movie, that helps us continue to root for them despite this pretty cruel treatment? I think it's a great scene. I I mean, it's kind of cruel. It's PG cruel. Um, mm-hmm. Right. It, it was, yes. was going to be cruel either way. You know, if he just if he just walks away and leaves her with nothing, I actually think he's kind of shielding the fantasy persona a little bit because he's leaving her You're so forgiving. Well, <laughs> and I don't know if his, his character is, I don't, I'm not saying it's like totally strategic because I don't think he wants to let go of the fancy either. And I think it's a way to clearly define roles. Like his, his real life presence with her is to be her adversary in some way. And so it almost lets, you know, his, his email persona off the hook that he's so bad in real life that, she's still going to give her her sort of fantasy love life a chance. And I think in some ways he is too. He he wants to pr- kind of protect that ideal life that he has that he just won't allow himself to have in real life. I really do like that scene because it doesn't, you know, it doesn't go overboard with the insults. I don't think from his side or hers, like her, you know, her insult to him that is so cutting 
it's not, I mean, it's, it's not like a low blow necessarily. I think it's a nice chin, a little bit of chin music there. Just a wake up call. <laughs> so pleasant. So yes, I'm still, I'm still rooting for them. Of course I'm rooting for so them. So do you really, do you really think that's what uh, Joe Fox is doing in this scene that he's protecting both of them, that this is the honorable choice? I wouldn't say honorable, but I think that I don't think he wants to give up on that friendship. Even if he, even if he's maybe thinking, oh, there's no way this actually will transition to a real life romance. I think he still is wanting to keep, I mean, clearly in the, the scene that is after that, you know, he attempts to lie. We see him attempt to lie through email, but his, his nicer self won't allow himself to. All, all he says really is like, I can't tell you now. I'm sorry. You know, please, you know, what was it like? Keep talking. Like basically let's just keep this going so I, i'm right. not saying real joe fox is that honorable but he does he wants <laughs> he wants to give both of them some sort of chance at friendship i, I don't know if he's thinking hail mary pass to romance i think he's already given up on that in that scene <laughs> right and i think what you're talking about that scene where he starts to lie to her online and then deletes it is actually a really important moment because there is every opportunity for him to blow her off to lie in that sequence because there is that anonymity. He could say anything. She could choose not to believe him. She could choose to believe him. But instead he just says like, I can't say right now, which, you know, he gets to, he gets to come clean later and you get to, you get to have these two bonded together. But I think it's really important that he as a human being makes the decision right there to just go like, I'm not going to push this any further. Like he knows he has been cruel and to lie to her would be even worse. And she, I mean, I don't know if she's totally acceptable, like accepting of his sort of bullshit answer, but you see her talking with her friends saying she would just be fine just to be pen pals, basically. Yep. So I, I think that's important for the movie on why we continue to root for them to continue on, because what they have is valuable and adds value to their, their lives at this point. And even if it, that's all they get, they're still willing to pursue that. If, if, they were, if it was just mm-hmm. about, I just want to see what they look like, I want to see if they're attractive – you know, that's not that interesting of a movie, but the mm-hmm. fact that they're willing right. to continue friendship. And that's friendship. a deeply romantic notion, yeah. like that that long-distance friendship, like I'm just going to bare my soul to this person, even though I don't know their name or what they look like. That's a really romantic notion. What about you, Natasha? How does this breakup work for you? When she's talking about um, how someone has zinged her, zinged, sung, someone gave a zinger. Um, at that party, she talks about, you know, the, the exchange um, at the dinner party and, and how he did, he, he was, you know, he was pretty, pretty harsh. Um, and, you know, Joe says, well, I can just give all my zingers to you. Um, and then she finally has this one, you know, chin music like Mike was talking about. And she realizes, I think that that's not who she is. And I think that this exchange kind of helps her like reaffirm herself um, in, in some way. Um, You know, she's not the kind of person that goes around uh, acting like Joe, essentially like he's, you know, he's very um, in his, in his banter can be kind of cocky and um, kind of off the cuff. And she realizes that, that, you know, once she said that, you know, she does show remorse. And I think that, um, that kind of just reaffirms a little bit of, of who she is. And, you know, later on, she talks about things um, kind of being personal. You know, it's not personal, it's business. Um, and, and she realizes that, you know, 
her her interactions are par- very personal um, and mm-hmm. very heartfelt. And you know, when she says something, she really means it, and it's it's and she stands behind it. And I think that you know what she said, it really did kind of come from you know this place of you know she's she's really hurt kind of by all of this that has been going on and the, the things that Joe has said and the position that he's put her in. Um, but I think that it really kind of shows her, allows her to kind of realize, okay, well this, this isn't me, you know, I'm, this is not who I want to be. Um, and so kind of that, she comes out of that a little bit more in tune with herself. And I think that that's what allows her to go through another breakup with Frank. Yeah. I mean, I agree that this, this breakup works and that we still root for them. And a lot of it again is because of the personalities of these two like that. Like Mike said, it's a, you know, it's PG cruel. I think that's, that's pretty apt here, but I think even if it is PG cruel, if you cast someone else other than Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan here, I'm I'm not sure we still root for them. And not, Nat, you mentioned something about like this being personal versus business, and that's one of the things I love about this movie is how how on the nose it can be, but in a really sweet way. How that's the way she lives her life, and that's the way he lives his life. She lives her life very personally, even her bookstore. Everything about it is personal. It's connected to her family. It's connected to everything in her life, and the way he runs his bookstore is all business. And at some point, I think during this movie, they find a way to kind of meet in the middle and they're trying to figure out what is right for each one of them. And and so I think in a weird way, this breakup scene actually ends up bringing these two people just a little bit closer, which is something you usually don't see in a romantic comedy. Usually it's like a clean breakup and it's like everything is terrible and we got to make some big deal to fix this. But I think this actually even if they don't realize it, brings these two people actually closer together as far as friendship goes. See, it was all part of Joe Fox's master plan. This, this entire <laughs> That's it. <laughs> but I do like that. Yeah, idea. I don't what, know about that. Well, I like what Natasha said as far as, uh, I think Kathleen has forgotten a little bit about, you know, that, that sort of monologue she gives later, almost talking to herself more so than Joe about, uh, everything being personal to her. Uh, except for her relationship with uh, Greg Kinnear, who unfortunately is like usually the other guy. Okay. Yeah. So bland. Yeah. And, and, you know, loves typewriters. Get out. Oh yeah. my gosh. I think everything, you know, this one has a, an, obviously an air of infidelity here. Like when you have an email relationship at this point, some sort of online relationship, there is a, a l- secret online relationship. Yeah. There's a little bit of, you know, yeah. like I said, it's PG infidelity in that way. The, the pen pal right. version. But we're we're led down that path because we don't want Kathleen to be with Frank because their interactions, you know, they're very distracted by other stuff in their lives. And it's just that's the comfort food that Kathleen, you know, it doesn't seem like she would accept that. She's so passionate about everything else in her life just to have this one guy there that's talking about, as you said, typewriters. Uh, it's, it's weird that they're even together. So I actually like their breakup scene quite a bit where they're yeah. just like yeah. – you know, this, this, this is good. This is a good thing. You're a wonderful person, Kathleen. So are you. And I'm so honored that you would want to be with me because you would never be with anyone who wasn't truly worthy. I feel exactly the oh, same God, way no, about don't, don't, you. Don't, don't say that. What? That, that makes it worse. What? 
You don't love me. <laughs> me either. You don't love me? No. But we're so right for each other. I know. I know. Oh. Well, is there some, is there someone else? Or? Oh, that woman on television, Sydney Ann. Uh, I mean, no, nothing has happened or anything, but... Oh, Frank, is she a Republican? I can't help myself. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Is is there someone else? No. No. But but there is the dream of someone else. I also like some of the I think some some of the lead up to that really works too with her kind of giving him a rash of shit about flirting on TV with this woman. Mm-hmm. Like I think both and and that could be a scene that could be really uncomfortable as could the breakup scene, but I think you know it's just like everything else in this movie, it's all just very endearing the mm-hmm. way everything comes across. Not so much with Parker Posey and Tom Hanks, but with Greg right. Kinnear and Meg Ryan, very endearing. Yeah, but, uh, Kathleen, because it's Meg Ryan, she doesn't really have to give Greg Kinnear or Frank too much shit because he makes a fool of himself on television. So we're like, we're fine with her yes. just sort of just watching that and shaking her head because why? You know, the, the man's already down. He, he did that to himself on, I, I'm sure 10 people saw it, whatever program that was on, <laughs> yeah. cable access or whatever. Uh, but it is interesting that Joe's the one that uh, doesn't really heed that like he's very good at business and he's very good with words in this personal relationship but his is almost like a lightning bolt event his is that like gotcha moment like that comes in his head and it's weird for someone joe for him to be so good at business and sort of laying out this like battle plan that it takes just a random elevator like occurrence for him to like get it through his head i think that's kathleen's effect on him I, I think whether he would want to admit it or not, his interactions with her, both online and in the real world, have kind of changed him. And he's like, yes. no, I I can't do this anymore. I can't be this person because that's – I don't want to be my father or my grandfather. How dare you? It was all Charlie, the elevator operator. That dude rules. <laughs> <laughs> he got he got through to Joe he, Fox. <laughs> maybe the only time that character has ever been mentioned anywhere. <laughs> well done. <laughs> All right, so from here, we go to the grand gesture. So as we've been kind of referencing, both of our main characters break up with their significant others. But I think it's important to note that it's not necessarily for one another. I think in most romantic comedies, you know, they'd be like, oh, we love each other. We have to end these other relationships so we can be together. But they do it because what they've gone through makes them realize what is important in their lives. So Joe swallows his pride and builds an actual relationship, a friendship with Kathleen over a montage showing off New York City. And later, he finally, as NY152, agrees to meet Shop Girl once more, revealing who he actually is. They, of course, admit to loving one another finally. But and here is where I risk the end of my relationship with Mike. If we place this in real life instead of the movie world, are we rooting for Kathleen to forgive Joe? What kind of question is that? (laughs) Of course. (laughs) I wish I was wish this was on YouTube. The like the offense. It looked like I slapped him. (laughs) Look, I mean, I actually this is probably the only issue I have with the movie is in this section is that I think they do a disservice to 
uh, real Joe F O X here and not N Y one five two. And I, I always forget always. And it, it, maybe it is the, the movie stars. Maybe it's just that I enjoy the, the Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks together so much that I forget that their relationship, their friendship as real people goes by really quickly. Like even said mm-hmm. that watching it for this podcast, I looked at my wife, I was like, my God, I always think there's more. I always think there's like a couple more scenes of them hanging out or doing something. Yeah. I, I don't have any issue with, uh, Kathleen Is it not choosing enough Joe. for you that that friendship? You wish there was more of that montage of them connecting. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting because there, I think there's a debate that I've had with multiple people about about the ending of this film, as far as when Kathleen realizes this Joe or when she starts to think. And I, I tend to think it's Hope. in that. I, I think it's in that bedroom scene. Uh, when he comes to visit her when she's sick, because there's a weird, there's a weird hold on her face when he like shushes her, like stops mm-hmm. her from saying one more mean thing, yeah. and that's it's a such a long pause that I I'm thinking okay right then there she starts to suspect like why why is this guy like turning on a dime as far as like the way he's mm-hmm. speaking to me why is he being so nice and. I just, I wish there was a little bit more because I feel like the film is trying to play it as some big shock to get like Meg Ryan's cute reaction to this. And I, right. I, I would much prefer seeing her fall for Joe, real Joe, than, than sort of play up this charade mm-hmm. a little bit. It feels more like a charade for the audience. Than it does for the actual characters. I feel like both. Don't of them you are think, aware. don't you think her reaction undercuts that supposed shock where she says, I was hoping it was you. Like that's essentially how it the, feels. How it feels a little confused. Like, it feels like they didn't really right. know how far they wanted to play like her knowing or not. Like, yeah, right. I don't know if she wanted it to be. Yeah. Him. Yeah. Right. But as to your question, so, that's idiotic, Dave. Of course I want them to be together. What are you talking about? <laughs> I knew, I knew that was coming. Natasha, let's move on to someone who has the tiniest bit of reason because Mike has none and I have none. So what do you think? Are you, are you fully rooting for them at the end? Yes. But I well I, I <laughs> quietly know, okay, with so shame. Know, we yes. know that some time has gone by. We know, you know, through we make it through the winter. We're in the spring, you know. So some some time has gone by. Is it enough time? I don't know because I mean, her shop has literally just closed. Maybe three months prior. I mean, that's really soon. Um, and for him to come around and be so nice and bring her daisies, I mean, daisies really are the friendliest flower, but I don't know. I just don't know. I don't know if there's enough time, maybe if it had been like a year or something, you know, just to kind of, I mean, she's grieving the loss of her store. Like this is a big part of her identity. Um, and and for me, as much as I, you know, am rooting for them and want them to be together as both Shop Girl and NY152 and Kathleen and Joe, I just, it's, it, it seems to me a bit rushed. I think the uh, Parker Posey character is supposed to make us feel better about it because she has that one throwaway line about yep. she's going to become a book editor. She's like she's she's great. Right. She's so respected in the business, and it's like it absolves the audience of like oh we don't even care about her financially. She's fine. She's going to get a great right. cushy job. 
let's get back to falling in love with Joe. That's that seems to be that's a good point. Yeah, and she, you know, she does say that she has some money saved, and you know, blah 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 blah. But but it's still a big deal because that's it's not just a business. That's obviously like that's a big part of her life and a big part of her memories tied to her mother. Mm -hmm. So I think yeah, that is it's strangely swept under under the rug. It's like just because Joe doesn't necessarily care about what his business is, other than it's making money. I do think we should we the audience should care a little bit more about the family investment in that small business of Kathleen. Right. And that's actually my issue with the end of this movie, which, and this is again, another example. If you cast anyone, anyone in the world other than Tom Hanks, I despise the ending of this movie. Like he carries it off because he's so damn charming, but this is a man who lied to her for their whole entire relationship. And then essentially got her to the point where she had to give up, you know, the one thing in her life that really mattered to her. He she lost because of him and his gigantic, you know, bargain book company. So he's really hard to root for in this moment. But I think what carries it off is Tom Hanks. And then, as you mentioned, Meg Ryan's adorable reaction to finally seeing who it is. And she really does well in that scene. But, man, it's it's still tough for me to take. And, And I'm glad you mentioned the book editor thing, because that's the only thing that saves it because otherwise he's essentially through his lies and deceit trapped her into becoming a trophy wife. Like that's essentially where this movie goes. And you're just like, I don't feel great about this. This is not really that loving. It's not really that sweet, but like, I think it's a really smart decision to have that one, what seems like a throwaway line in the movie. Cause it's the only thing that makes it so, you know, she could still kind of stand on her own two feet and she can be independent despite being in this relationship. But it's, it's to me, to me, I think you're right, Mike, that it's the weakest part of the movie, the ending, unfortunately, like you still do root for them because of the personalities involved and because of the journey you've gone on here, but it's a little bit hard to swallow. I mean, I root for Joe and I would fall for Joe because he makes sure that Steve's on has a job. Yeah. That's exactly. that's it. That's where I'm like, uh, all we is got, well, all is like, good. We made it 30 minutes, <laughs> and you, before you mentioned Steve Zahn, I'm so proud of you right now. It, it took this long. every bit of self control I had to not make this totally I about bet. Steve Zahn. I love Steve Zahn <laughs> so much. Steve Zahn is wonderful. Weirdest casting decision in this movie. The fact that Dave Chappelle is Tom Hanks's best friend in this movie I still love strikes it. me as so strange. But it's great. I think it's fantastic. But I had kind of forgotten about it when I watched it again. I was just like, what? Dave Chappelle is in this movie? Star of You Got Mail. Who knew? But but yeah, I mean, I think overall, obviously, it works. It's one of the, you know, it's one of the romantic comedies that people turn to. And there's a reason for that. And, I, you know, but again, if you if you have a different cast here, like I think this movie really suffers. But but I think the director knows that and he uses it and they use that to to the advantage of the film to really lean on that charm. I think uh, to the Dave Chappelle point, <laughs> I always remember his like kind of like, like I said, a little bit, a little bit of chin music to, to Joe, who's just like, he, he's like a the Greek chorus, the one man Greek chorus reminding him to like kind of stop whining and just like, you yeah. know, just go after some like personal happiness because he looks around at this bookstore and he, he says it's a well-oiled machine. It's almost like, what do, what do we really have to do? We've got it like we've got all these resources of your family's, you know, wealth and power. Just get on with it, man. Just like stop grumbling and and go find happiness. It's maybe not the, you know, purest intention that he has there. Maybe he's just wanting to get through his day. But I I like to imagine that Dave Chappelle character is just like, Jesus, enough about this pen pal. Get on with it. Come on. Yep. No, I think that's that's absolutely true. 
Um, and usually the last thing we like to do here is see if we can apply this to our own loves, love lives. So, Mike, what lessons? I mean, there has to be so many. This is like <laughs> this is the opus that you base your yeah, life on. Yeah. So what have you learned from You've Got Mail? Well, it's it's strange because I, I'm you know one of the few people now, uh, I guess, that I've never had any sort of like online relationships, never done any sort of online dating. And uh, I remember in... Uh, high school, they want us to to do some sort of exchange. Pin you mean pal not program. counting you and me, right? I well, I mean, you know, not counting you. And me. It's this is a public affair, you know. My I goodness, it. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're looking for you know subscribers. So, uh, whatever, you know. Stay tuned for episode one hundred where we fuck. That's what we keep promising to everyone. Um, <laughs> but no, I I don't have any sort of uh, any sort of experience with that uh, with online dating. So I, I would guess that would be the thing that would most apply to people with this, even though, you know, the, the internet landscape is far less cute, I'm guessing than, than opening your email yeah. uh, box on AOL. Um, uh, it's not pure. It's not PG out there, but I do like, I do like the idea of being maybe a little bit too precious, uh, too protective over like a burgeoning romance where and you see a lot of movies, like sort of that bullshit, like, take the next step and actually Dave Chappelle's character is the one that kind of speaks to a lot of those tropes or rom-coms where it's like I take it to the next step until I decide I can't you know can't take it any further time to leave that's the next step is to end this and I, I think you know going on too long with this with this sort of fantasy this idyllic version of another person is the danger here eventually you have to reveal yourself as Joe Fox which you know, to his benefit, he's really fucking rich, and he's Tom Hanks. So not all of us have that in our back pocket. <laughs> it <helps>. Yeah, <laughs> it does help. Oh, for two on this end, yeah. <laughs> but I think that's the thing is like you know you eventually have to sort of uh, test the uh, the waters a little bit and and remove that sort of the the fantasy version of this person that you've developed a crush on and and just enter into reality. And that's 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 what I think is uh, the ultimate lesson here. That and and Dave. How dare you even question falling for Tom Hanks? What are you talking about? <laughs> Clearly, you need to watch this again. But no, I, I don't have anything too specific personally with this. So I hope one of you has at least gone on a date. There's someone like on Tinder or something of that nature because I'm I'm totally oblivious here. I'm back at AOL. I'm amazed you knew what that name was. <laughs> I've I've heard of it. I hear that it's really fun to swipe. I don't know, but I I, I guess I won't get the opportunity to. You're like a 90 year old talking about <laughs> Tinder. Uh, Natasha, what about you? Any lessons you take from you've got? Um, I really wish that I could apply this movie to the 2017 online dating hellscape, mm. <laughs> but I don't know if I can. Um, I, you know, I, in a lot of my, like, I, I try and be, I try and be like Kathleen in a lot of ways, you know, really kind of, um, true to myself and kind of rooted in, in who, who I am and, and um and I've also but I've often had that same, you know, like what am I doing with myself sort of thing. Um and when I when I think about the ways in which I could <laughs> I could apply lessons from this movie, I don't I just don't know if if it if it works for me um in in this kind of day and age. I mean, I've gone out on a handful of like, okay, Cupid dates. I've never met anyone from Tinder. Um, 
but online dating is just so My. different now. <laughs> I'm so disappointed. I, I want to hear about this Tinder thing. <laughs> it's, just, it, it's not yielded anything for me. And so um, I don't, I just feel like I, I, I just kind of wish, I, I, I guess, I, I guess I wish things were, were a little bit more like they are um, in the movies, but they're not. It's kind of, I, I don't know. It's, 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 it's mildly terrifying actually. So <laughs> it's kind of like, uh, you know, the, the supposed death of like long form, well, I guess anything, entertainment, journalism, what have mm-hmm. you. This is long form dating. I mean, as far as yeah. this, this, this email exchange, uh, it, it probably seems like a colossal waste of time to most people. Like they would be like, they would it's quaint. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's, un, that's unfortunate because I can't, there, there's only maybe that, that slight reference that uh, Kathleen makes about the chat room that they swore they both not been in. Mm-hmm. That's just, th- that's the only thing that whenever she says that in the, the email that I'm like, wait, what was the, what was the chat room? And how did you, how did you all start right. talking about this? Um, <laughs> well, they said it was like a over thirties chat room. It was yeah, like an over, AOL over thirties chat room. New Don't try to make this movie dirty. It can't be. Are you well, saying back in '98 was it that they hadn't yeah. distilled the internet down a little bit, it's a little bit narrower? It's just like, oh, you're over 30, so I guess you have everything in common now. No, because AOL <laughs> and MSN they all used to have those kind of regional chat rooms, but then they had those like yep. sub rooms that you could you could. So it would be like over 30s in New York, and I, I can only imagine that that's kind of how how it worked. But I, I don't know. We just don't have. For me, I don't I don't see that kind of niche. Um, anymore, it's so very open and right. and, and broad. So, Dave, right, so I guess it's my, not my turn. Yeah, to tell us about Tinder, please. Okay. No, no, I've never had <laughs> Tinder on my phone. I am too old for that nonsense. I am hmm. too married for that. Um, <laughs> so, but Mike, you'll love this. What I learned from this movie is to be more like NY one five two. Okay. Because of what I mentioned earlier is that he has every opportunity, like he is lying to her in real life versus online, but he's not, he's not lying to her online. Their interactions online are all very honest and all very real. And even when he has the opportunity to save face for his real life persona, he chooses to tell her the truth as much as he can. And I think we all have the opportunity in all of our online interactions, not just dating, but any kind of relationship. We have an opportunity. We have a thousand chances to lie or to pump ourselves up as better than we are or different than we are. But I think if you want anything to be lasting in any way, being honest and being yourself is the best way to do that. So that's what I take from you've got now. It's interesting because, um, Tap into what both of you said as far as this honesty. Like, uh, I know from what little I know of like the, the like Tinder or something. Like, the, a lot of stuff now is trying to tie it to your Facebook account. They're trying to tie it to your real like sort of online persona. But all they're really asking for is like pictures, from my understanding. Like everything is just a small box, like a, a Twitter, Twitter bio or something of like who you are yep. and interests. And it's strange that this film about very anonymous people, just usernames are so revealing to each other, like, and and actually develop this relationship. And I don't know. I don't know if it would that work now, or would that just come across as like, why are you telling me all this stuff? Like what? I don't know. Like if people would find that like a little too forward or something, like, uh, I don't know. I'm just glad I don't have to deal with it basically. (laughs) Yeah. I think think it can work, but it's, 
I think it can work, but it's so very different now because especially with things like texting, like you can get that interaction immediately as opposed to back then when the internet was still young, when you had to write, okay, this is my one chance to say all these things, you know, cause maybe cause they have to be online at the same time I am, if we're going to actually talk. So you have to like write these long form letters and the interactions are very different now, but I think there's still the ability to be genuine. It is. It's funny that sequence where, uh, Joe, I am's uh, Kathleen, and it's like she gasps. It's like this. Yeah. It's like some sort of. It's like he, you know, he like you know comes comes out uh, of the of the bathroom like stark naked or something. And this, it's just like that he's crossed some sort of line. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so. I thought you'd be online now. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Which goes back to what we've been saying. This is so quaint and so perfect. It is simply the greatest film of all time. And it this is. was a pleasure oh, talking Jesus. about it. <laughs> All right. I, I'm not going to argue because what's the point against you two? I just want to say mm-hmm. thank you to Natasha for joining us to talk about Mike's greatest film of all time. Thank you for your time. We really appreciate you. Thanks for having me, guys. And if you'd like to hear more from Natasha, well, first off, she was on our episode for The Holiday, which I think was two or three back. So you can check that out if you haven't already. And also give her a follow on Twitter at the divine underscore Miss N. She also hosts a podcast called The Rat Ass Bitches, which is very funny. So check both of those things out. And after, only after you're done with that, you can give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Grand Jester Pod. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your pod player of choice. And if you do, you will be the very first. Nobody else to get our next episode for the first time on a new release phantom thread from paul thomas anderson can it live up to you've got mail probably not are you, are you okay with that episode like that you've got mail episode was that that's pretty good. That good enough for you we'll have to see we'll right. see in the final cut that, that's like, high <laughs> praise. High praise. <laughs>